Um, I've waited a long time to get to this particular topic today um, of navigating forward. This is uh, um, this is the crescendo of this series, so it'll probably be 10 parts. I, I don't see myself going too much longer than that. Um, but this uh, series on strategic foundations that shape our decisions, there are some pretty important things that we covered in this. I want to begin, before we get to the list of what we've covered, I want to read something from Henry now, and I've really come to appreciate a lot of what he's uh, uh, sending out. I'm on, on an email list from him, uh, and this was sent not too long ago. He writes, accept your identity as a child of God. This is, so this is obviously a, a little hint to what we're going to be covering today. Your true identity is as a child of God. This is the identity you have to accept. And I wrote the word in believe there in brackets because um, this is you need to believe it's actually real. Once you have claimed or believed it uh, and settled in it, you can live in a world that gives you so much joy as well as pain you can receive the praise as well as the blame that comes to you as an opportunity for strengthening your basic identity as in growing in your awareness of who you really are because the identity that makes you free is anchored beyond all human praise and blame you belong to god and it is a child of it is as a child of God that you will live in this world. In this series, we started in January. Again, I was looking forward. What's what's 2021 going to look like? Nobody knows. Uh, we had no idea what 2020 was going to look like. So how can we presume to assume anything? So, but anyway, this is kind of fun because uh, there are people that are going to have to make decisions this year, different decisions, whether you have to move, whether you need a new job, whether your kids have to go to a new school or uh, you as an individual have to choose a college or university. There's lots of things that go on in our minds as we decide things. And um, uh, here's some key foundations that we've covered so far. Number one, you begin with an attitude of gratitude. We begin with contentment. If you uh, come at your needs or choices from a place of lacking, um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to skew your decision making. You're, you could make decisions that are not wise. Number two, we need to learn from those who've gone before us. We covered a, a couple stories on that. We also, number three, we need to have eyes to see and check our prescription or blind spots that may require having wise people around us people we trust we we value their counsel um and then we had we definitely covered some bible stories on that one that was a really good one um and then of course one of my almost favorites number five is my favorite but number number four is to resolve in advance um you, we will have challenges and trouble in life in the last two weeks we talked about how do we plan in advance for when difficulties come so we're not just reacting um in a reactionary way to the difficulties that hit us uh, maybe there can be something built in deep down uh, trained skill of responding or here's going to be my default and changing our defaults so i thought that was really cool and today we get into what I think is the most important part when we make decisions uh, and make strategic choices in a, for our future is to not forget who we are. Let identity guide you, not shame or guilt. Too often, many of us are um, we're plagued by this false idea of shame and guilt. Now, let me remind you of the quick version and definition of what shame and guilt is. Uh, guilt says I have done something wrong. Uh, shame says, I am something wrong. 
And unfortunately, shame and guilt tend to even a false guilt. So we, you know, this building up ideas that I really could have done better and on and on. And, and we beat ourselves up about so many things in life. And that is not what is to guide us. Um, anxious people, people who overthink tend to run down the road of shame and guilt too much. Uh, insecurity uh, runs into that. That's why today's and next week's lesson is going to be so critical, I think, because it's dealing with identity. But what is identity? Um, we need to deal with that. And uh, I hope to do that today. Um, it's not going to be a really simple, easy to follow message. Um, this is going to be um, verses that will show you key truths of how God sees you. And I'm going to take God's word at for it, okay? How God sees us is our identity. What God believes of us is our true identity, all right? We need to see that. We need to believe that. Um, this prayer I came across two weeks ago, and I thought it was really cool because this deals with our mind, okay? And it's called the not prayer. We don't know who wrote it, but this is how it goes. Dear God, please untie the knots that are in my mind, my heart, and my life. Remove the have-nots, can-nots, and the do-nots. Erase the will-nots, may-nots, might-nots, and, may and that may find a home in my heart. Release for me the could nots, the would nots, and should nots that obstruct my life. And most of all, dear God, I ask that you remove from my mind, my heart, and my life all of the am nots that I have allowed to hold me back, especially the thought that I am not good enough. Folks, this prayer, oh my goodness. This is really a surrendering prayer, surrendering our false identity, laying it before God, say, here, this is what I'm believing. Can you please fix, correct, delete, edit, replace whatever I'm, my thinking is not where, where it's wrong? Please, I hope you caught that. This, this, this may be worth it just for tuning in today. It's just that. Uh, hopefully, I got a lot more that's good, but this was really powerful. And I know a lot of people are um, struggling with the, uh, I am not good enough. A lot of addictions, a lot of mental health issues, uh, what we see on the surface, um, the symptoms of them are not the real problem. The real problem is what are the hurts or lies they're believing about themselves? That goes much deeper. People act that out and they cover up their pain with, with different behaviors, trying to avoid having to feel or think uh, about themselves in a negative way. My true identity. Henry, now Henry Nowen writes this. This is, this is pretty cool. Follow along with me on this. The first thing that struck me when I came to live in a house with intellectually disabled individuals was that their liking and disliking me had absolutely nothing to do with the many useful things I had done until then. Since nobody could read my books, the books could not impress anyone, and since most of them never went to school, my 20 years at Notre Dame, Yale, and Harvard did not provide a significant introduction. Not being able to use any of the skills that had proved so practical in the past was a real source of anxiety. I was suddenly faced with my naked self, open for affirmations and rejections, hugs and punches, smiles and tears, 
all dependent simply on how I was perceived at the moment. In a way, it seemed as though I was starting my life all over again. Relationships, connections, reputations could no longer be counted on. The experience was, and in many ways is, still the most important experience of my new life because it forced me to rediscover my true identity. These gentle, childlike, and completely unpretentious people forced me to let go of my relevant self, the self that can do things, show things, prove things, build things, and forced me to reclaim that unadored self in which I am completely vulnerable, open to receive and give love regardless of any accomplishments. Ouch. That's a big one. You know, to, to be in a place where... You can't rely on your reputation. You can't walk into a room and assume everybody knows who you are, your accomplishments, and everybody has to start in those rooms uh, from from your reputation of where you've arrived at for that time. But here, this he talks about living in a home where there are people who don't give a rip about that. And they're just there to say, hey, who are you? Be real with me right now. It's a very powerful way to... Look at life. I, I thought that was very, very powerful. Two weeks ago, um, I shared this uh, on Valentine's Sunday. Just, just a, I just gave you a clip, like really quick, just a flash on the screen. It was a Valentine from Jesus. And, and I want to bring that up today because this is honestly uh, a reminder for you and I. I'm going to go through these. The I pursued you. I rescued you. I forgave you. I joined myself to you. I did it all because I love you. And I'm so glad you belong to me, Jesus. That is a beautiful Valentine's card. It is a lifelong card. It is an everyday card, not just on Valentine's. Valentine's. And so I, when I went through these, this list, I realized this is something we need to be reminded of for our identity. It begins with, I pursued you. Folks, brace yourself. This next couple minutes, however long this takes, this is for your heart. If you are struggling in any kind of way, wondering if God likes you, if he values you at all, have you, did you tick him off? Is he annoyed with you? Have you disappointed God? Um, and if you're thinking those thoughts, if you're just not quite good enough because somebody else is better, at least it appears that way, and you're just, you're kind of hitting a very low spot. Maybe not, it may not even be towards God. It may be just in your own head. You don't even like yourself. You're not feeling good enough. Listen, if we could see how God sees us and how he views us, I'm going to take his word for it. It's like, uh, if I get a, uh, I think I had a Samsung television. And uh, um, I, I, I went through my manuals because I was trying to figure out something. And I, I found a manual, pulled it out, and nothing was, I, it didn't make sense. It, this doesn't even look anything like my TV. Well, then I opened to the cover and realized, oh, this is for an LG TV, my old one. That's kind of useless. I was using a manual for a different television than the one I was trying to figure out how to change the settings. So when it comes to our owner's manual of how we're wired, how we've been created, how our bodies have been built to, to take in the right nutrients, the right voices in our head to be in the right environment with the right oxygen levels, uh, with the right heat levels. Oh my goodness. Let's talk to the manufacturer and what their opinion is. And it is God. It is God who created us. It is Jesus who created us. The Holy Spirit was a participant in our creation through Christ. So let's go to the owner's manual and see what our 
beloved creator says about us and let's take his word their word the trinity's word for for it instead of our selective subjective opinions so how would you like to be pursued <laughs> pursued yes first timothy 1 15 says and a bunch of these will be from the new living translation because they're the simplest right now if we were to do a deep dive into each one, I would have multiple translations, but that's not what the point is today. I want you to hear God is pursuing you. In fact, I remember in Psalm 23, um, and uh, how's it go at the end? He'll follow you all the days of your life. Well, that's, that, you know, remember that ending? Well, in the, I think it's the Passion or New Living, New Living Translation. It says, I will pursue you, <laughs> which is different than following. I don't know if you realize this, but if you've had little kids, and you send them off to school, they don't like to be followed. You know, you know how when you're trying to give them their independence, you go on ahead and we'll follow behind. Well, then they try and run away and because they don't like to be followed. They want independence. Well, when we follow, it's one thing. But when we're pursued, it's an intentional thing. And it is God who has pursued us. Uh, this is a trustworthy saying. And everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And I am the worst of them all what how could this where does this verse fit in uh, look it's telling me i'm a sinner now i thought this was supposed to be encouraging it is so here, here's how it works paul never sees himself and identifies himself as a sinner you will not see that in scripture in fact people who give me a hard time when i when i say hey wait a minute don't call yourself a sinner you're a saint no, the Bible says I'm a sinner. Look, it use the word sinner all the time. Never for your identity are you called a sinner. Never identify yourself as I am just a sinner saved by grace. That is a terrible perception because when you use the word sinner, you're talking about a behavior that determines your identity. Why do we call people sinners? Because they sin. Well, your identity is not sinner because you sin. You are a saint because of who you are, how you've been created, and your essence is one with Jesus, okay? So when Paul says here, uh, I am the worst of them all, he's doing like a Muhammad Ali. He's the champ. He's the, he's the best. You know, if you're going to call yourself, because they were arguing about, you know, which sins are bad and which ones are okay and that kind of stuff. And he's saying, look, of all the sinners, I'm the worst. If you're going to have a, a, a poster child, I'm the poster child for sin is what he's saying. But he doesn't stay there. Everything else he writes, he re he's explaining, the, the, but this is still not who I am. So if you're going to use your behaviors as a model for determining your identity, Paul says, I got you. I can take you on. So we're not supposed to use our behavior and reputation as the means and foundation for our identity. We are to use our DNA, our essence of how we've been created, and we've been created in Christ. Okay, we're going to get to that. I don't think we're going to get that today. Next week, we're going to get deep dive into that part because I think you got to hear that. Uh, so being pursued in John three sixteen it says, for this is how God loved the world. That's you and me and everyone, even those people we can't stand. Okay. He loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. This is a pursuit that we cannot forget about. Then there's the rescue. We have been rescued. It's not a, uh, we will be rescued. We have been, past tense. Ephesians 2.8 says, God saved you by his grace. 
when you believed and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Now, this is a powerful verse. It's a past tense. God saved you by grace when you believed. I believe the believed uh, uh, portion comes to when you've awakened and recognized and acknowledged. Oh my goodness. Because up until that point, while you were saved, you had no clue saved as in from sin and death because Christ took all of humanity into himself. And now we see this, we can't take credit. It's a gift. So this is a rescue mission that happened long before we even knew we needed saving. Okay. That's pretty powerful. Colossians 1.13 says, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Think of transferring. How many of you do e-transferring? Where you transfer funds, dollar amounts from your bank account to somebody else's. Once it's gone from yours, it is now in their bank account. Uh, many of us have this thing set up where it's an auto deposit. So we, they don't have to put a password attached to it. Uh, it immediately uh, gets deposited when it's sent. So the permissions have been set and blah, blah, blah. In the same way, we have been rescued and transferred from darkness or blindness into the to the light of the kingdom of God. We are placed in Christ and have been placed. In fact, the deeper I go, uh, I'm starting to see that uh, this goes back further than we ever thought. Uh, when did this take place? A lot further than you thought or were told. And it's it's you start to see it and you go, oh my goodness, the love of God's bigger and wider and deeper than I ever thought. Holy. Forgiveness. Another big one. Oh my goodness. Uh, some of us have groveled to God for forgiveness. Some of us have been led to believe that we must ask for forgiveness first before we are forgiven. And therefore, if we don't ask then we, and we die, then we go to the grave with unforgiveness and not being forgiven. Therefore, well, that means we either go to hell or whatever, whatever concept you have of that. But that's baloney. We, we've been forgiven long before we even asked for it. Colossians 2.13, do you want to talk about what God says? Here, you were dead because of your sins. And because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Now, that nature part, sorry, the bad translation, I did, it just caught that now. Oh, darn. The wrong word. Okay, uh, then God made you alive with Christ. So he for he uh, forgave all of our sins. So this has to do with while we were still dead, while we were still dead. Oh, my goodness. In fact, let me look something up here because I'm very displeased with that translation. And this is Colossians 2.13. Here we go. Colossians 2. 13. Brace yourself. Here it is. Passion Translation says, This realm of death describes our former state, for we were held in sin's grasp, but now we have been resurrected out of that, uh, that realm of death, never to return, for we are forever al alive and forgiven all of our sins. Wow. Unbelievable. And then the uh, New American Standard Bible, which many uh, traditional folks will understand, says, And you were dead in your wrongdoings and the uncircumcision of your flesh. You were made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our wrongdoings. So when we see this word sinful nature, it is the wrong word. Bad translation. Slap 
I hope I never do that again. Uh, NIV does that one real too, uh, real badly too. I, I can't stand the NIV for that for that word. You have to bring it up. That's why I'm taking the time to read this for you. But the word should have been flesh, which is not nature. We don't have two natures. We have a singular nature. It is the nature of Jesus Christ. We are one with Christ. That's what this identity thing is all about. My goodness, I can't believe I did that. Anyway. Then we have, I joined, uh, Jesus says, I've joined myself to you. We are one. Here we go. Here's the union part. Oh my goodness, I forgot this is coming up. 1 Corinthians 6, 17, but the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. We are one. It's called union. The best kept secret in the Western world or the Western church is union. Oneness. Not talked about very much at all. In fact, uh, it's almost conditional oneness or transactional oneness. If you, then you become. If you say this prayer, then you become one. Listen, we're all one, and we don't even know it. So when we wake up to the reality that we are all one, all of humanity is one with Christ, because all of creation is in Christ, therefore, objectively, everyone is in Christ, because all of creation is in Christ, and we are in that creation, and that creation is in Christ. So there's an objective truth we must realize. There is no absence. There is no separation here. This is huge. Romans 6, 5 says, Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. This is a, a past tense. You are united. So when we give, when we share the good news with somebody, we don't go to them and say, hey, uh, you are a lowly, dirty, rotten sinner. Your sins have separated you from God. Repent so you can now be part of the family of God. No, 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 no. We don't begin with separation. We begin with union. We begin with reconciliation. We declare we are reconciled to God. We declare we are already united. Let's, let's tell people, did you know that you're one with God? What? Yes. And he loves you. What? But, 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 but I didn't pray a prayer. You don't have to pray a prayer. You can spend the rest of your life praying, thanking him for what he's done. And we give a gospel, a good news message that declares the union has already taken place. Now believe it. Very, very powerful. All right. And then... That in that uh, Valentine's uh, card, it says, I did it all because I love you. Some of us don't believe God loves us. We can't even believe God likes us. But here it says in 1 John 3, 1, See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children. Um, that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. Huh. They don't recognize it, but it doesn't change the fact that they are. That's powerful. The Father loves us. Black and white, right there. This is, this is the declaration that you're loved. Are you needing to hear that you're loved today? God loves you. Not with a religious love, but with an authentic spirit-to-spirit -spirit love. A love that this world does not understand. A fully accepting, unconditional love. <laughs> First John 4.19 says, We love each other because he loved us first. I've had, unfortunately, I've said this to people and I've preached it. You must love God more. I didn't know what I meant. The, the, wor the words I said, but I, uh, it was wrong. 
We can't love God more. It's God who loves us. And we need to wake up and, and discover his love for us so we can respond. We're the reciprocators. He's the initiator. God is the initiator of love. So, no, we don't have to love God more. But when we wake up to how much he does love us, we're going to want to love back. It's just the reality of what happens when we wake up to the profound truth we are deeply loved by God. And I love this other part. I'm so glad you belong to me. John 17, 24 says, Father, I want these whom you have given to me with me here where I am, to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. So love started long before creation. All right. This is before the foundations of the world. And the Father gave all these, all of us, to Christ. Again, that's a wild concept here. Jump down to First Peter 2.9. But you are not like that. For you are a chosen people. You are, a royal, you are royal priests. A holy nation. God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. You belong, and he's calling to the light that is in you. God has placed his light in you. There's light shining through you right now. Well, I don't see it. I don't feel it. I can't perceive it. Doesn't matter. The fact says the light is there. Yeah, but I can't see it. So are you calling that darkness? Yeah. Okay, well, then listen to Jesus' words when he says, Sure. Um, for the light that is in you, if that light is darkness to you, then how great is that darkness? That light's there, whether you perceive it or not. Pray to God to ask you to ask to open your eyes to see. It's like that servant on uh, on that castle wall we talked about a couple weeks back, where Elisha's servant couldn't see. He thought there's just humans around and the city surrounded. And Elisha asked God, "Will you open his eyes so he can see that there's more going on than we thought?" And boom, the eyes were opened and he could see the angels of heavenly hosts all around. It's like, wow, we got this. <laughs> Quite incredible. Well, that's my prayer for you, that you will open your eyes to see that there's more going on than you ever dreamed. You belong to God. We're going to wrap up with this quote. I have more, but I'm not going to get done. There's no way. Um, but this whole idea of you belong to God, I uh, came across this from Henry Nouwen as well. You are not what you do, although you do a lot. You are not what you have collected in terms of friendships, connections, although you may have many. And that includes Facebook friends and followers, blah, 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 Instagram, all that stuff. You are not the popularity that you have received. You are not the success of your work. You are not what people say about you, whether they speak well or if they speak poorly about you. All these things that keep you quite busy, quite occupied, and often quite preoccupied are not telling the truth about who you are. I'm here to remind you in the name of God that you are beloved daughters and sons of God and that and that God says to you, 
I have called you from eternity and you are engraved from all eternity in the palm palms of my hands you are mine you belong to me and I love you with an everlasting love <laughs> an everlasting love so let's remember he first loved us he first loved us not us loved him first people tend to say I found Jesus I found God no you didn't <laughs> there's no way there's no way you found God we're not smart enough to find God we think we might be but we're not I promise you if he loved us first it's his job to get our attention it's his job to communicate how much he loves us it's his job to make sure we know we're his we can rest we can rest for ourselves we can rest for our loved ones. There are loved ones that we are praying for. God, please open their eyes to see you're real first, that they're loved, that they're valued. And we have these, these prayers that we're begging God to change. And then we try to help God out and we, you know, send little Bible verses and quotes and speak Jesus in words or religious terminology to try and somehow click in their brain. And, and yet... It's backfiring all the time. Reminds me of this joke of a mom praying for her son. Dear Jesus, please save my child. Dear Jesus, please. I'm doing everything I can. I put tracks in his lunch. I, I have hymns playing in the background when he comes in the door. I have Bible verses open all over the house. Oh, please, please, please remove, remove anything that's hindering him from knowing you. And poof, she disappears. <laughs> she's the hindrance <laughs> oh folks god loves you he loves you with an everlasting love and today um as we take a look at moving forward and trying to find ways to make sure we have the foundations and the the key elements in place so that when we do need to make decisions we've got a good foundation and identity is the most important in my mind so if you don't know who you are Rewatch today and definitely come back next week because we're going to talk more about identity um, in a way that hopefully you haven't heard before. I'm still learning. <laughs> um, I'm still developing my understanding of who I am in Christ. And it's getting better and better all the time. So, all right. That's all I got for today. 